Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Bull, The Bear, and My Brother's Chair. Nate, what's happening today? Oh, you know, we've got a big meeting in house today. Are we do. Uh, we've got 50-some yeah. um, uh, female advisors in the house. We do. Today. 52, I think. And this is our first women in business event live first in live Minnesota. Event. Which is a cool thing. I'm sure many of you work in industries that uh, are potentially male-dominated. The financial advisor world certainly is. And so uh, we've had a lot more female advisors over the last 5, 10 years getting into the business, which is great to see. And they are networking, getting together, sharing uh, their successes, You know, sharing obviously obstacles they face, advantages that they have. And so it's been a, a, a certainly a cool event to be a part of. Although uh, our attendance down there has been limited since it's women in business and we can go down, but we were not invited to be keynote speakers at the event. (laughs) Well, before we bring on today, uh, our guest, who is Steve Nino. Steve is a uh, attorney, non-practicing attorney, and has specialized in estate planning and enhanced planning uh, over the last, I don't know, almost 30 years now. Which uh, sounds really boring, but when you get into it, uh, it's actually something that everybody should do. And he'll talk through a few reasons as to why. And although you may not consider yourself as having an estate, I think everybody's got something to give away. Before we get there, let's talk about what we're bullish and bearish on. Nate, why don't you kick it off? All right. I'm, uh, this is kind of a, it's a bit social media like. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm a, I like cars. I like looking at cars. I like, you know, and my father has always said that, you know, if you're going to buy a boat or a car, you know, 90% of the fun is just like looking for it. Yep. And once you actually buy it, then you're like, ah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's the, still the, cool, but it's the, not as the, fun the as the hunt. The run up to looking at it, the hunt, like that's the fun part. So I'm always looking. I'm always just, well, and Obviously, you know right now things are expensive, boats, cars, anything I'm recreational aware is of that. very expensive. So there's some Facebook groups that I'm a member of, and whenever I'm looking for a laugh, I go to some of these. One of them is called Exotic Cars for Sale. I'm also a member of yep. that one. And so you go on there, and we're talking about, this could be a, you could have a $400,000 know, Lamborghini on there. Uh, some people put a 2014 Mercedes on there. Yeah. And- the pricing is crazy, mm-hmm. right? They'll buy a car four years ago for a hundred grand, and now they're trying to sell it for a hundred and thirty. Mm-hmm. And so you read the com- the comments is what I'm. It's just it's pure gold. Yeah, I'm not sure that anything gets sold <laughs> on this website. And then the people will always write like, if if the car is still listed, it's still for sale. Don't ask me if it's still for sale. <laughs> and then you scroll down in the comments and. You know, the typical ones will be like, this guy's a used car dealer. He's got no idea what's going on. Uh, somebody will write, is it, are you sure this isn't a Honda Civic? <laughs> and it's a Porsche or a Lambo or something. And then the next guy will be like, do you accept Bitcoin? And then it's just, it, it's a fantastic read, right? You scroll through, you see a bunch of cool cars. You read, some, some will have 200 comments on it. Oh, yeah. And then the people will just go back and forth and the author will jump in and be like, you don't know anything. Why don't, and I see that you're driving a minivan. Why don't you go back to your minivan? And Anyway, it's just a fantastic, if you ever need a little break in your day, you go to Exotic Cars for Sale on Facebook and it's it's a blast. Some of my favorites are when they rag on the color of the car. Yeah. It's, it'll be a $500,000 Ferrari 
they'll be like, ah, I would never buy a car in blue. And some random person will go to their page and chime in and be like, you're selling a PlayStation controller for 25 bucks. I don't think you're in any, any yeah, danger. Yeah, they dive into the their profile out. and they just rip them apart. It's, uh, uh, so anyway, I'm just <clears throat> bullish on just the, the hysteria that's going on right now with pricing and uh, all the experts. And then at some point the post turns political and goes yeah. the political direction yeah. somehow. Yes, so, I, I would anyway, agree. If you need a little highlight in your day and you like cars, that's a good one. <laughs> good. Uh, I am going to go bullish on the topic of estate planning wow. and figuring out, you know, what what really happens. Kind of a morbid discussion, but I'm I'm in the middle of updating my estate plan. I believe you've you've done this exercise before, right? Yeah, it's a constant <clears throat> battle though. It's never done. And I saw somebody, you know, the other day and what they said was is you know, if you didn't wake up tomorrow, do you know exactly what would happen to your family? And I thought that was an interesting question. And it's like, again, not a fun thing to think about, but, you know, you even think about having life insurance. Like in my household, uh, the income comes from me. My wife stays at home with the kids. And so I have I'm probably worth more dead than alive, but enough life insurance to carry my family shouldn't in the event of something happening to me. I also have life insurance on my wife, although I wouldn't be missing her income. I would need somebody to take care of that. It's kind of the basics of it. Then you get into the estate plan part of where you're going to have trusts and wills and figuring out, you know, what really does happen. And it's, it's an interesting exercise to go through as you've gone through as well of trying to figure out, what happens if you're like me and have minor children who takes care of your kids and the event of something happens to both of us, but it's an interesting exercise that I would say is not fun to go through, but it certainly feels better when you're done with it. Yeah. And I would just add that, you know, 90% of the battle is the organization. Yeah. Right. And I look at my stuff and I think about just what I access on my phone. Yeah. You know, I've got a, a whatever, a crypto login that's an app on my phone my ameritrade login uh banks you know banks i've got two banks i'm pretty sure my wife knows how to access them but i'm not sure credit cards like just the organ you think about people clients or family members that have passed away it takes some people a year or more they just keep finding stuff oh yeah so and going back to whether it's online vaulting through the generational vault Things like that, just organizing. If you can't get it organized, you can't solve it. And you can't fix it. Right. And so the organization part, if for nothing else, like your usernames, your passwords, your stuff, like your wife or your brother or your somebody should know, hey, if something were to happen, like here's where everything exists. Where it lives. Hopefully it's organized. It's in the vault. It's somewhere accessible, but that's 90% of the battle. If you can get it organized, then you can start making improvements. But if you can't organize it, you don't even know what you got. Right. And it's also, you know, where your stuff goes at this point. I mean, obviously it all goes to my wife and my young kids. <clears throat> but I mean, I've seen so many families that, you know, you're grown adults, parents die at, at normal ages, 85 years old, inheritances aren't set up quite right. So some flows here, some flows there. And I've seen so many families fight over little things that you would never assume somebody fought over. You know, Susie raced over and took the china out of the cabinet, and now they never talk again, where those things can be easily solved. But it's, uh, you know, when you get to it, you figure out, in, in my life, 
figure out what would happen, you know, if me and my wife passed away, who would who would take our kids? <clears throat> That's certainly one discussion that is interesting of, you know, your wife will have different views than you do or whatever. And then you got to figure out if we all, my entire family went down, right? Who gets it then? And so you're, you're talking about Would that this. Be me? Can I have it? Are you, you, will, you will have a chunk right, of it. I'll give you. you that. Thank you. But you're talking through it. And then my, my wife was really spending some time really thinking about it and analyzing it. And what about this? And what about that? And, you know, we were having a discussion for a while. And I finally said, you know what? If all my whole entire family gets wiped out, I guess I really don't care where it ends up. <laughs> as long as somebody can find it. Yeah. So, and hell, I don't even care if you can find it. <laughs> if I can get into your phone, I think I can do some damage. Um, no, but, I, I agree. The organization. And then, too, people <clears throat> think like an estate plan is like driving somewhere, right? I just got to do it. Well, once you do it, then you got to update it. Right. Like every, I, maybe every year, every two, three years, like you got to go back through it. Things change in your life. Uh, people come into your life, go out of your life. It's just things happen. If you don't update it, it's somebody that says, well, you, you looked at your beneficiaries. Oh, well, yeah, I have. And on their 401k, it's their ex-wife from 22 years ago. Right. Well, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, but it's it's organization, updating. Listen, there's no magic bullet either in estate planning. People are, you read, oh, all the wealthy people do this, do that. There's no magic bullet no. where people are like, oh, I pay zero taxes. <clears throat> but organization, being efficient, and updating the stuff on a regular basis, it's hard, right? It's hard to have those discussions. It's hard to make choices like that because you always think, oh, things are fine, you know, we're, we're good <clears throat> until you're not. And then you go through a two-year battle. Probate of, battle. <clears throat> you know, who's getting what? Then the, the long-lost cousin from New Jersey comes in and mm-hmm. is like, hey, I'd like that fishing boat. And uh, it's ugly. And it's interesting, too, the ways you can set up the flow of money two kids or yeah. whoever and everybody's got you know one kid who can handle the money one kid who probably would be better off with it being a stream and you even think of like if you ever read on elvis's estate he gave a hundred i think a hundred million or something like that went to lisa presley's daughter she blew it down to like 14 grand because she'd never had money before like that and so it's uh interesting as you look at the you know the concerns you have there's ways to set it up but to Nate's point, there is no magic bullet. My favorite one is the charitable planning discussion. Everybody thinks like you can give money to charity, take this massive deduction and somehow like get one over and you <laughs> win. But like I got news for you. You're still going to give money to charity. Don't you just write it off? Isn't that, wasn't that what they say? <laughs> just write it off. You send it to the write off people. The government pays you back. <laughs> but but no, it's certainly something good, good to think about, to uh, listen to this guest here. We'll ask him several questions and we'll keep it basics too. We won't get knee deep into irrevocable trusts, but... We'll keep it basic, but it's certainly a good thing to listen to and a good thing to put in practice in, in your life as well. And remember, exotic cars on Facebook for sale. It's a, it's a, it's a true blast. <laughs> if, you're, if you like cars, if you like reading some comments that don't get too out, it's, it's pretty hilarious. It is. It is. It is quite entertaining. Well, you can uh, go to that Facebook group. I think you got to elect to be a member after this. We, we, we're not sponsored by them, are we? No. Not at this time. We don't have to add them to our long list of sponsors? Nope, nope not yet. All right, it'd be cool if we had a list of sponsors. Anyway, Nate, you get out of here. I'm going to take Steve All today. right.
I'd like to welcome Steve Nino to the show to talk about enhanced planning. Some call it advanced planning. Some call it estate planning, but certainly something that affects, you know, almost anyone who's listening to the show. But Steve, welcome to this show. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, you know, it's it's uh, when you talk about advanced planning or enhanced planning, I like to boil it down. It's complexities that arise in any kind of planning, financial planning or so forth, business planning. When it gets complex, then we need to help. Perfect. Now, tell us before we kind of jump into the meat of this, of what what is your background in this world? So I've been in the advanced and enhanced planning arena for the last 20 years. And I really have focused on financial advisors, but I meet with clients and I've been able to help them adjust their estate plans or business plans, what have you. That's really what I've been doing for a long time. And now you have your law degree, true? Correct. Yep. And wh- wh- how did you end up choosing this area of law? Well, I actually was in uh, the legal department at a big company and I was monitoring some of the phone calls that we were having with agents and I just realized how powerful, how this can help clients. In fact, I've had my own personal estate planning, you know, concerns in the past. And so, yeah, it kind of all came together as a good place to go. Good. Now, tell us the difference between advanced planning, estate planning, you call it enhanced planning. What, what is, tell me what all this is all about. Right. Well, both are dealing with estate planning in reality, but when people hear about advanced planning, they assume it's for the real affluent client, the people with all the money That is not the case, whether they realize it or not. In fact, if they wake up in the morning tomorrow, do you really know where your money is going to go or what's going to happen to your family? Sure. Yeah. Everyone wants to jump right into the costs of probate, the tax implications of something, or estate tax, inheritance tax. But in reality, it's your family and your relationships that people need to think about. I have seen too many families, including mine, kind of be at odds with each other over an estate. And a lot of them are what you might would consider small things that can be done to change the outcome. Now, would you mind share, would you mind sharing your story of kind of estate planning and where maybe lack of estate planning or lack of communication kind of fell apart in your own personal life? Sure. I grew up in a real modest home where we had a um, one earning parent and I have three sisters and We actually had a cabin in northern Minnesota that we are very fortunate to become um, owners of in late in the 70s. And over the years, my dad remarried because my mom died. Then my dad died. And a long story short, the cabin's no longer in the family name. And uh, it just is one of those where a simple little ownership discussion with my dad Mm -hmm. uh, would have saved and, you know, maybe some angst that came along the way. Sure. And I think everybody's probably got some story of how, you know, estate planning or inheritances or something has affected their life. And and to your earlier point, a lot of times it's not, I mean, it's about the money, but not really about the money. It's the feeling or the separation of the families. Like that's the, that's the part that I personally, you know, disturbs me about leaving something behind is just that unspoken. Why did he do that? Did he do it on purpose? Why did he give him this, me that? The whole thing would be good to avoid. You know, I always think of uh, Dale Earnhardt of, you know, you don't have to be a huge NASCAR fan to know the name Dale Earnhardt, but he had his son, Dale Earnhardt Jr., 
who was racing. And, you know, what are the odds that a father and son both end up racing in NASCAR? Right. Anyways, Dale Earnhardt, the original, <clears throat> owned Earnhardt Racing, who he raced under that name for a long time, and so did Dale Jr. As you know, Dale Earnhardt himself, you know, crashed into the wall, passed away on the racetrack. Uh, Earnhardt Racing, the majority of that company got left to his new wife, not Dale Jr.'s mom. Whether Dale Jr. and her had a good relationship, I don't know. But Dale Jr. wanted to own more of that racing company since he was the poster child. Either way, it ended up being where her and him did not see eye to eye anymore. He ended up leaving Earnhardt Racing, which whether that was lack of planning, lack of communication, whatever it may be, I highly doubt that Dale Earnhardt's goal in life was for his son to leave Earnhardt Racing and go. There's tons of stories like that out there. But, you know, another thing you mentioned was, you know, the word estate planning to me. That sounds like I got to be a Rockefeller or something to, to have an estate. I got a house. I don't know if it's an estate, right? Yeah. <laughs> but but it's it means different things to different people. How should one, you know, a person like me think of their estate? Well, it's an easy one. You really just, it's everything you own minus what you owe. Mm-hmm. on those things. And so that is your estate. But, you know, people who don't think I have an estate, well, like ask them, do they have a house? Do they have cars? Do they have jewelry? And, you know, in the reality, most people do not pass away with nothing in their name. Mm-hmm. Uh, something is typically left behind. And it's how those things are passed on that should really matter to those people. So it doesn't have to be a fluency or a high net worth. It can be something simple as a cabin. And I think people think, you know, that way of, well, I'm only leaving behind 300 grand or something. <clears throat> you know, you, you think back to a lot of, a lot of people's parents would say that's 300 grand more than anybody ever left me, but put yourself in a 30, 40 year old shoes and you were one of three kids and you got a hundred thousand dollars. That's, that can square up a lot of things in life. Wouldn't right. you agree? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So you may think you're not leaving much behind, but again, not just about the money, it's about, you know, the emotional part of it as well. What are what are some things that happen when a person passes that they don't think of? Well, one of the biggest one that they overlook is uh, ownership arrangements. And we've kind of alluded to that in this conversation. There are three types of ownership. And really, there's one is probate. And probate falls into those types of properties where you own it in your own name. Nobody else owns it. Personal property, like your long tractor or a coin collection or something like that. Cars. Cars. And then tenants in common with no rights of survivorship. That's an ownership arrangement that can often end up in that probate. That's that's one area. Contract is another ownership arrangement, and that's a non-probate because that has a built-in beneficiary designation. Those are things that you should be familiar with, life insurance, annuities, your your retirement account if it's an IRA. Uh, stock. Some people have trusts. Those those things pass out because they have passed by the probate process because they have beneficiary designations. The third bucket of ownership or the third way you can own assets is joint with rights of survivorship. So you actually do leave it to your spouse. And most people, when they buy a house, uh, a spouse's, they have the surviving spouse will take full ownership of that house when the one is gone. Same thing for investments and bank accounts. Of the okay. Life. And and you, you mentioned, we'll get to probate in a second, because that's a word a lot of people throw around. I don't know why people have had experience with it, 
But let's talk about the contract properties of things that have a built-in beneficiary, life insurance, you name one, annuities, you name one, mm-hmm. brokerage accounts, you maybe name one or whatever it may be. Do do a lot of people in your experience, can they even, do they even know who their beneficiaries are or do they forget pretty quickly and do you see a lot of beneficiary mistakes? Yeah, you know, uh, Brian, I would add that to the list of oftentimes overlooked. Yeah, we beneficiary updates, you know, making sure that their beneficiaries change with the times in their life. You mm-hmm. know, if there's a remarriage, if somebody passes and they uh, remarry, did they change all the accounts, uh, the beneficiary designations? There's horror stories about old accounts that remained with the same beneficiary who shouldn't have been the mm-hmm. beneficiary. So right. good, good point. And you can't undo that, right? If I, if my life insurance says pay to X and I meant it to pay to Y and I pass away, there's, n- I can't, can can I just put it in my will? Want to just default to my will? And I say, well, yeah. my, my new wife gets it. And they're like, beneficiary says your ex-wife gets it. What happens? Right. That's a good question. And one that is sometimes offered to us. No, the will is secondary to a life insurance contract. The contractual okay. nature of an annuity, life insurance, and IRA, they pass outside of that probate process. They are not in that will. Uh, so that's a good good distinction, and it's a powerful way to pass your wealth on through some type of contractual arrangement. Okay. But I'm sure a, a person's ex-wife would happily just fork the money over to the new wife, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but uh, so then let's let's get to that probate because you, you said that probate assets are anything that is owned in one person's name or kind of general property. So uh, cars are certainly one. Yep. Not entitled yep. my cars, my wife's name. I go up to buy my cabin it's an hour north. I don't need my wife up there. What do I care at that time? Yep. Like sign my name, name to it. Uh, I think of like, you know, a watch that you bought or, you know, had from your grandpa or whatever that's worth a couple grand, whatever it may be. But you start to pile those things up. It can get to be a lot and they go to probate. So I pass away. These things end up in probate. What is probate? Well, probate at its truest definition is the act of proving that a will is valid. In other words, uh, wills go through that probate process administered by a court, and the court will assess if the will is valid. If there's assets, like you mentioned, a cabin that doesn't have a beneficiary on it, and Mm -hmm. they're kind of scratching their head, where does it go? That is a part of the probate process as well. The probate will say, oh, let's look at this, and maybe we'll pass it according to the laws of the state that the cabin is in. There's intestate laws. Okay. So, and what, what are the, I mean, obviously when I think about probate, you know, people could say, I, I don't have an estate plan, whatever. I don't have a plan, but actually if you don't have one, don't worry because probate in the state has a plan for you. They're right. just going to figure it out. But what are some of the things that people get frustrated about the probate process over? Well, it's duration. It can take a while. The bigger the estate or the more complex it is, the longer it will take. And you'll usually have a law firm helping you administer or figure it out, and they can charge a fee. So there's expenses associated with it. The other big one is that it's not, it's, it's, it's public information. You can go down to the courthouse and see whose will was probated, and you can uh, know that your neighbor, when they died, this is what they left to who and where it is and all that. 
that's that's kind of why people want to avoid the probate process for the expense, the delay, and the privacy. Okay. And I, I do think of that, you know, when you mentioned leaving a cabin or something, while probate's figuring that out over four, six months, say a couple people are fighting about it, whatever it may be, someone's got to pay the taxes, someone's got to pay the heat, someone's got to pay, like, bills are rolling on, and money's locked up in the process for it. I know that, uh, you know, us being a Minnesota company, Prince was a famous uh, probate case where he died, I think, without a will and out, without a trust. Yeah, he had uh, a lot of his rights weren't mentioned in his wills. And he had documents, but they he had so many things that he recorded sure. and left without any type of ownership <clears throat> arrangement on it. And it was a big fight over who owned what. Yeah, and just kind of drug it out. I think even a a guy who was incarcerated claimed to be one of his kids. I think it got tossed out, <laughs> right. but it still locked it up. Of course, yep. got to look into it and say, yes. is this in fact one of his kids or is it not? Exactly. But I mean, you, you obviously have peep stories like that, but still, you know, put that down a normal time frame still can be a, a long, costly process. What are what are some planning things for a normal guy like me, Steve? I don't I don't know if I need dynasty trusts and offshore trusts and all these things, but like, what is a normal guy like me? What would be some basic things that I could do to help sort that out? Well, Brian, I call these the low hanging fruit. So first a durable power of attorney is a document that allows one person to speak for another when they can't around their financial matters. Healthcare proxies, same type of thing, but it allows somebody to speak for that person around medical concerns and things like that. Those two right there are big the other is maybe a will to ensure your assets are passing. And then ownership. We talked about it. Double check your ownership uh, on your assets as well as beneficiary designations. These are the keys really to taking control and, and making your legacy what you want it. And I would imagine that you've you've seen a lot of people that, I mean, they probably, one, they come to you ahead of time, hopefully. Two, I would imagine they've come to you after the train wreck and now they're in the middle of a estate planning disagreement. What are some things that, that happen? And I think you use the word intestate when people die intestate, like let's say I have no will, no trust. And I got a house and a cabin and cars and boats and three little kids and a, and a wife, like what happens to my, yeah. Probate assets. So first off, intestate is the process of administering an estate that doesn't have a will. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have to figure out where it goes. The court does. So a perfect and, stranger is going to decide where my stuff goes. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> it's comforting. Yeah. That's, a, that's a really good point. Uh-huh. And, you know, if, if you're in Minnesota, uh, the intestate laws provide, it really starts out, it's kind of a little anal- or a, a flow chart in your mind if you could, but if there's a surviving spouse, then it's determined by the kids. If the kids are from the surviving spouse and the deceased 100%, it all goes to the surviving spouse. Okay. But if the there was a blended marriage in there and there are kids from a previous marriage, mm-hmm. well, then the first 225000 goes to the surviving spouse and they get half of the balance. So one way you could look at that, Brian, is if you're over 225000 in your net worth when mm-hmm. you die, then you might have issues if you have a blended family. If you don't have a blended family, there's no issues. It all goes to the surviving spouse. Okay, so it, let's say I, I had a previous spouse and, and she had kids or we had kids. First 225 goes to my current wife, kids. Correct. They split 
the leftover between the two of them, my ex-wife, kids, and that. That's right. <clears throat> okay. So that yeah. could be something that if you didn't know that, your current wife might find out the hard way or whatever it may be. Well, yeah. And it even gets more complicated, Brian, because what if you isn't a surviving spouse? Mm-hmm. What if so it, Yeah, me and my wife passed away in the same accident. Yeah. Yeah. Then you have to, again, determine are the kids 100% from the parents? And if they, uh, those two that passed away, if they are, then the kids get it. But what if the kids are minors? Then they're going to look into, are their parents alive? Are the parents of, of the, uh, deceased? Mm -hmm. Because then it will go to the parents of the deceased. But if they're, they're not alive, then they're going to look to brothers and sisters. They're going to, then if none of them are around, they're going to look to grandparents. And then they basically will start to look for the nearest relative. So again, somebody else is kind of guiding that process. If you leave it up to the intestate process, that is dying without a will. Okay. And I know a lot of the things that, that you see happen are, you know, it's not just the planning, but it's the lack of communication of the plan. So I know we had one, uh, story a couple of months ago and what happened was, is the mom had passed away, had three kids, grown adult kids, but had left one of them $200,000 more than the other two. And what the, the one who got the money believes is, is that she left it to me because I lived locally and I always took care of her. So I had her lawn mowed and, you know, I spent money taking care of mom and dad. The other two lived out of town. So he believed that that's why he got more. The other two didn't see it that way where they thought because he lived locally that he had manipulated mom into leaving him more than they got. Either way, they don't talk anymore. What do you, what would your advice be on, you know, not only setting up the plan, but telling your kids or telling your loved ones why you chose to do things that way. No, that's a story that is repeated often, Brian, and it is a good one to nip at the bud, so to speak, by having some type of a communication plan, whether it's a video to the kids, and there are some companies that allow you to put a, a video in a vault, and, and they can leave it to the kids, and that they explain how everything is going to be paid out. A document that's around the house could also explain how everything is going to work, and then having regular meetings, bringing the kids in, whether it's via a Zoom or Skype, whatever, uh, getting them on the phone with the planning agent who, or the estate planner who's helping them so that everybody's on the same page. You don't want to leave somebody in the, in the outside because, yes, it causes issues. Now, you, you mentioned something interesting there of the document. Now, I assume once I do my trust and will, it gets filed with like the trust and will system. Right. And where yeah. anybody can access at any time, like it sounds like an official thing. It's got to be like registered with the government or something, isn't it? Well, your trust is typically held at the, a copy is held at the law firm and they give you the, the, they give you a, either the hard copy, the actual document, or they will give you a soft copy, but you work that out with the attorney who's going to hold the master. Um, and then those get lost a lot. So, yeah. Or I never told my kids who the attorney was. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So right. a document, there can be a master document for the house that explains where everything is. In today's passwords and 
all these different apps that we have, that is another thing that's really often over, oftentimes overlooked is where did dad have all of his accounts, passwords? Because we're trying to figure out who, what we should do with them, the points and the <clears throat> airlines and all that. Yeah. That, you know? The stuff you don't even think about, I suppose. Right. Why, why don't more people do this? I mean, this isn't that hard of a process. I find an estate planning attorney, you know, a lot of our, we have a lot of financial advisors that listen to the show that, that talk with clients on a routine basis that encourage clients and consumers to do this. Why don't more people do it? It's not terribly expensive. You know, Brian, I, I, I that is a great question, but I, it's really, I think, just a hesitancy. I Right in my own family, I'm an estate planner. And my wife and I barely talk about this, and I can get the sense that it's just not comfortable for her. She doesn't really want to talk about this. Mm -hmm. And I think that is consistent with a lot of people. It's hard to talk about. It's not very comfortable. Uh, But if you take the step and you actually get through that, it can make a huge difference. And I know that uh, Chuck, my dad, has spent a lifetime in estate planning as well, or a former lifetime in estate planning and his analogy is always, you know, when, when you eventually you move on from this world, it might be a morbid discussion, but eventually we do. Right. And when you look back down at your family portrait hanging in your family room, how do you see that portrait? Do you see it as one big happy family or do you see each family in their own picture or do you see each family in a different room? Because ultimately it's it's your stuff at the end of the day. You're the only one who can figure out where it's going to go. You're the only one who can explain your decisions and it's really on you to do it. And it's, it's your family that's going to, you know, potentially suffer if something happens and it's not, you know, in most people's minds or in my mind, it's not so much about the money. It's about the fact that you see too many brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins fight over something that you would consider small, but is a big deal and enough to kind of rip a family apart. And that's, that's the sad part about it. That's a great story, and it, it reminds me, Brian, that a key word in estate planning sh- should be harmony in the family. That's what it's really about. It isn't about the money, like you say, the the volume of wealth that gets passed on. It's more about the the field that everybody's equitably, um, you know, taken care of. Good. Well, I appreciate that. And what is, what is what's the what's your favorite part of this? I mean, you got to deal with some messes and angry people and. I don't want to talk about it, people. Like, where, where do you really find enjoyment out of this? Well, if, for an estate planner, it's kind of hard because people have to go the, to see the fruits of your labor. <laughs> and uh, But I will tell you, I was out in New Jersey doing a seminar on estate planning, and I finished the, 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 my presentation. I was walking towards the back of the room, and this gentleman reaches out and says, Steve, 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 come over here, come over here. I said, what, what, what I do? <laughs> and uh, he said, no, no, you actually helped me and my wife put a, a, a will in uh, a couple years ago, or, or actually it was the advisor telling that he, the clients had put a will in, in things in place. He died, the husband died, and so the will took care of everything for the surviving spouse, and she was just sitting there smiling at me, and that's when this really makes a big deal for me because when I see somebody benefit from some of the recommendations around taking control, mm-hmm. that's where it hits home. 
Very cool. Well, Steve, we appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, Steve has also joined the Gradient team as of, uh, what month did you start with us here? March 15th of March this year. March 15th. So for those of you that are advisors and do work with us, you'll be seeing a lot more of Steve. Uh, if those of you are just randomly listening to the show, we certainly appreciate that too. But certainly take this, talk to your friends, talk to your family, talk to your clients, talk to your loved ones. It's a, it's a pretty simple process, but you do have to do it. And, you know, it's it's is, is that process less painful than watching strife or whatever it may be in your family. So I uh, hope you've taken something positive out of the show or at least take a step in the right direction for your family, your clients, whoever your loved ones are. And Steve, we appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you, Brian. Thank you.